0: Y'all almost were in real trouble this morning. I started to get up and left my watch on the front pew. I'm sure some of you think, "I, I think he leaves that watch down there on most Sundays whenever he... If you have your Bible this morning, turn to begin our time together to Philippians chapter 4. One of the things I love about studying God's Word and preaching God's Word is at times whenever I have a plan, something I'm desiring to do, at times my heart is redirected. Some things I want to share with you, the people of God, here in East Gina Baptist Church. As I began this week, I was planning on coming back into Philippians chapter 4 and and going more in-depth into what Paul was saying here to the church at Philippi about the blessings of giving and receiving. But as I began to do that, my heart was moved into a different direction. And really what triggered it is what we looked at last time together in verse 10 in Philippians chapter 4. Where Paul is saying that he is rejoicing the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me, and indeed you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. And if you recall together as we were looking at that verse, that Paul there is sharing that one of the reasons he was expressing thankfulness to God for the church at Philippi was because of their heart for him. Their heart for Paul. And this made me start to think about more in depth about the relationship between the minister, the pastor, and the people that he shepherds. The relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. It caused me to reflect back through this entire epistle that we have been studying together for quite some time. And to see this mutual love and this mutual affection that the, the people of God and Paul had for one another. And a, a love and affection that they didn't just have in their words, but they had in their deeds, in tangible ways that they were expressing this love together. It made me go back and just read and think back through the epistle. And to see this mutual life that they were sharing together One of the ways that they were sharing this love and sharing life together as a church with Paul, as a shepherd to them, is in their participation in the gospel. We saw their participation that Paul highlighted there in verse 3 of chapter 4. When he says he's trying to help these two ladies work these things out together, but remember what he says there, I ask you to help them, these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Their participation in the gospel together with Paul. Paul made note of this back in chapter one, where he says there in verse five that he is he's continually praying with joy in his every prayer for them in view of their participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul and the church at Philippi shared life together in this participation in the gospel. But not only that, they shared life together. There was this mutual love and affection together and for one another and their participation in suffering. Paul highlighted that back in chapter 1 where he says in verse 29, For to you has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. They were sharing together this life of suffering. They shared life and had a mutual love for one another and their prayers for one another. As we read there a moment ago in chapter 1 and verse 4, Paul is praying for them. Down in verse 9 and 10 and 11 of chapter 1, we see Paul says, And this I pray. I'm praying specifically for you that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment. But it wasn't just that Paul was praying for them, they were praying faithfully for Paul. That's why Paul says about them over in verse 9 and uh, over in verse 19 he says I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. This is a church that was faithfully Praying for Paul, the one who had been a shepherd to them. They were faithfully joining Paul. As Paul was praying for them, they were praying for Paul. Not only that, beloved, I want you to see they had a mutual concern for one another a mutual concern for one another. Look over in chapter 2 again. Remember when Paul sends Epaphroditus back to the church at Philippi? What was driving him to do this? Verse 28, Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may, may be less concerned about you. Paul was taking actions on their behalf out of his love and his heart and his affection and his concern for the church there at Philippi. And that's what we saw over in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. Their sending of their financial gift and their actually sending of Epaphroditus to him was out of their love and concern and affection for Paul. Paul was concerned about their physical well-being. Paul was concerned about their spiritual well-being. Not only that, beloved, very important to also notice as you go back and just think through this epistle, well, that what Paul and what we find here is that they had a mutual joy in one another. They had a mutual joy in one another. Paul expresses this Look back in chapter 2 for a moment, where he says in verse 18, You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Paul was saying, let's share in our joy in one another. That is, find joy in me as I find joy in you. Find joy together in our suffering together for the cause of Christ. Paul even says about them in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy in crown, saying, You are my joy. Calling on them to find their joy in the Apostle Paul. Beloved, we are to emulate Paul in the church at Philippi. Maybe here's a way to help you to, to understand this, that I've kind of put this together in my mind in reflecting back on these things. What you see between the people and Paul, between their shepherd and the sheep, you see this mutual affection. You see this mutual attitude towards one another. And then you see these mutual activities towards one another in expressing this love that they have for each other. You see this affection of Paul, the, the pastor, the shepherd of this church. Back in chapter 1, and verse 7 and 8, look at it again with me, where he says, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, both in my imprisonment, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. You can just hear the affections, the feelings of Paul that he has for his church at Philippi. Do you see his attitude in regards to them over in chapter 2 in verse 17 where he says, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your face." faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. That was Paul's attitude, that even if I'm being poured out, I will rejoice about this because of my attitude towards you, my affections towards you. And when you look at the primary activity of Paul towards this church and expressing his love for them. You see it back in chapter 1 and verse 25 when he says, I'm convinced of this, that is I'm convinced that what's going to happen here is that the Lord's going to deliver me from the hand of Rome and I'm not going to be put to death. And what that's going to allow me to do is to come back and remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. That is, I'm going to get to come back to the church at Philippi and pour out my life and begin to teach you once again so that you can grow in your joy, grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is doing throughout this epistle. He's encouraging them and he's warning them through the teaching ministry of his writing, the inspired word that he's writing here. And that's what Paul did. That was the main thing. When you go through and you look at the life of Paul and as he ministered in each of these churches that he went to. The main thing he did was the preaching, teaching, feeding of the people, of the sheep. What was it that Jesus told Peter when he reaffirmed him to the ministry? And he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he said, Feed my sheep. If you love me, Peter, you're going to be an apostle and you're going to be a leader and you're going to be a teacher and a preacher and a shepherd. And the main responsibility you have will be to feed my sheep. I was reminded of that again this week, listening to some messages. The pastor that was speaking was just reminding all pastors. That your primary responsibility is to feed the sheep that are there before you. That, you. that You're a pastor. You're a shepherd. You're shepherding sheep. You shepherd the sheep of God. And the primary way you shepherd the sheep of God is through the preaching, the teaching, the, the counseling from the Word of God. And this is what you saw with Paul. So you see his affections for this church at Philippi. You see his attitude. You see his activities toward them. But beloved, again, when we go back and we look at verse 10 in chapter 4 that we were looking at together, we see there their affection and their attitude towards Paul. They had that same kind of affection. They had the affection of Christ Jesus for Paul, their shepherd. They had that same attitude for him. They were concerned about Paul, about his physical well-being and about his spiritual well-being. They just wanted to know, how is Paul doing? And they expressed that, they manifested that in a tangible way because they sent Epaphroditus to him. And when he arrived there, he had a financial gift to take care of his needs. And that's what Paul says there in verse 18. I received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am amply supplied. I have received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And it meets all my needs. And Epaphroditus has been a faithful servant on your behalf. Notice, remember what Paul says about that back in chapter 2? When Epaphroditus is sent back, he says in verse 29, Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life. And notice what he says, to complete what was deficient in your service to me. He says, yes, and this is what they were doing. They knew, they wanted to complete their service to Paul and they sent Epaphroditus to do it, to minister to him. Beloved, this is the relationship that we see here, this heart, this affection that is there between the the, the shepherd and the sheep in a body of Christ. And as I thought about these things that we see here in the letter to the church at Philippi, it made me think about some of the other letters that Paul wrote and that he wrote to churches. And as I went back and started reading through 1 and 2 Thessalonians, a very interesting observation came to my attention. And it is this... Pretty much the same things you saw Paul talking about the church at Philippi. He was talking about the church at Thessalonica. He had a heart for them. You see his affections. You see his attitude. You see his actions, his activities towards his church. In fact, just to see that with me for a moment, turn over for just a moment to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And you want to see Paul's heart, his affections, his attitude towards them. You'll, you'll hear him maybe sometimes of some different language, but, but speaking the same things to the church at Thessalonica, writing the same things to them that he wrote to the church at Philippi. In verse 7 of chapter 2, he says, But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having so fond an affection for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Why? Because you had become very dear to us. He said, "You were so dear to us, we have an affection for you. Thus it was not a burden at all for me to impart to you not only the gospel. But to impart my life to you. As he was saying to the church at Philippi, I'm, I'm willing to be poured out for you because you are my joy. You're, you're, you're near and dear to my heart. I have you in my heart. He talks about the hardship that they went through there, but how they continued to behave themselves in a way that was honoring to the Lord. Notice what Paul says down in verse 17 of chapter 2 in 1 Thessalonians. He says, but we brethren haven't been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit. And by that he means that you're still on our mind. And though we're not there with you personally, we're all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Do you hear some of those same words that Paul was saying to the church there at Philippi? He's saying to this church at Thessalonica, you're our hope, you're our joy, you're our crown. We long to see you. We long to be with you. We want to be there with you face to face. In fact, that's why he goes on to say in chapter 3, in verse 1, when we can endure it no longer, When we could endure it no longer. Pick it back up in verse 5. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, And has brought us good news of your faith and love. And that you always think kindly of us longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason brethren in all our distress and affliction we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account as we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. The same things he was saying to the church at Philippi, he's saying to this church at Thessalonica. He's saying we're praying for you. He's saying we want to come back to you because we want to complete your faith. We don't want to help you to continue to grow in your faith. And notice, you see, the church at Thessalonica has the same heart, same affections, same attitude towards Paul that the church at Philippi did. Because notice what he said there in verse 6. What brought him such joy is when Timothy showed back up after sending Timothy to them. And what did Timothy report to them? That you always think kindly of us. You're longing to see us just as we also are longing to see you. There was this mutual longing that the people had, the pastor and the people had for one another. We just want to see you, Paul. We want to be with you, Paul, because they wanted Paul to help them to grow in their faith. There was a mutual love and care that they had for one another. You see it, look over in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. In verse 8 and 9, he says, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything, for they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you. I mean, they're going around saying how they were, they, that they, Paul's ministry was received by them. Go over to chapter 2, and verse 13, where Paul says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Let me say, what are you you trying to help us to see here this morning? I'm trying to help you to see that when Paul, as their shepherd, how he manifested his love for the church at Thessalonica and his love for the church at Philippi is that he gave the people his life. And he served them sacrificially. And the people of God were his joy. And they were his crown. And the main thing that he kept as the main thing was the feeding of them the truth, the feeding of them the Scriptures, the feeding of them the Gospel. He longed to be with them. But on the other side of that, when you look at the church at Philippi and you look at the church at Thessalonica, their love for Paul manifested itself, one, In serving with Paul. As we saw there, the church at at, at Philippi, that they served alongside of Paul. It wasn't a one man show with Paul. No, when Paul was there, they served with him in the gospel and going forward in the proclamation of the gospel and ministering to others. They served with Paul and they even served Paul, they supported Paul financially. And they kept the main thing, the main thing for them, which was this, the receiving of the Word of God, the receiving of the truth. The embracing of the truth, as Paul just said here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We thank God constantly about you, that when we came there and preached the word of God, what you heard from us, you received it for what it really was, the word of God. And it was so working powerfully in your life. It is through that word that you came to believe. And it's through that word that they were being sanctified and made more like Christ's. And you notice the church at Thessalonica and the church at Philippi, they were both longing, just hoping, praying for Paul to come back to them. They wanted Paul to come again to them, spend time with them. They wished Paul would probably never leave them, he would stay there and just shepherd them, just pastor them. But of course, Paul was an apostle. And as an apostle, he was to be sent out to other places and to go and to proclaim the gospel. And, and you see the life and ministry of Paul where he would go and to an area like he did Philippi and preach the gospel and people would get saved. And Paul would then uh, begin to shepherd those people and he would shepherd them for a certain time and, and see them grow in their faith and we would help to organize the church there if he could and, and providing them the overseers, the pastors, the elders and the, the deacons that were there. And then he would strengthen them and he would move on to another area But you notice when you go back to the book of Acts, Paul would generally come back to those same churches and keep strengthening them again and again and again, shepherding the people as he could as an apostle. So yes, when they would get there, when he would get there, they would just long for Paul to stay and to be with them permanently. But that wasn't the calling on Paul as an apostle But as I thought about the church at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica, and I thought about how they were so longing for Paul to come to them, it made me think about the church at Corinth. Because I think we need to see the difference here between these churches. Paul spent probably the second most time of all the places that he stopped and stayed with the church at Corinth. Probably the one he spent the most time with was the church at Ephesus. But the church at Corinth, he spent at least a year and a half with with the people of God there. He proclaimed the gospel, people got saved. He stayed with them and ministered to them the gospel, ministered to them the word of God, continued to teach them. And when I go back and I read through 1 and 2 Corinthians, I see that Paul had the same affection for the church at Corinth that he had for the church at Thessalonica and the church at Philippi. He had the same attitude for them, and he had the same activities and actions towards them. Let me just show you this for just a moment. Go back to 2 Corinthians Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter seven for a moment. First Corinthians chapter seven and just kind of look verse two and three with me for right now. He says, "Make room for us in your hearts." We wronged no one. We corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. That's very similar to what he said to the church at Thessalonica. There in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, when we got there, we weren't there to flatter people, to get people on our side. We weren't there to out of greed in any way we came There with pure motives. But notice what he says in verse 3. I do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. You hear his affections for them? You hear his feelings for them? Look over in chapter 6, verse 11. He says, Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. Saying our heart was open as, as wide as it can be to you when we were there. We didn't hold back. And we spoke to you with a heart that was open to you. And if you want to know if Paul had the same concern for them as he did for all the churches, look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for a moment. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 28, after when Paul has been describing the things that he has gone through externally for the gospel, he says there in verse 28, apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern. Concern for all the churches. And he's including here the church at Corinth saying, who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Paul had a concern for the church at Corinth. He had a burden for them. So you see his affections. You see his attitude towards this church. And if you want to see his Actions, his activity towards them, he did the same thing at Corinth that he did in Thessalonica, that he did in Philippi. Over in First Corinthians chapter four, in verse seventeen, he says there he's about to send them Timothy. If you think about this, we read there in First Thessalonians chapter three, he sent Timothy to them. In Philippians chapter 2, we see he's about to send Timothy to the church at Philippi because he knows Timothy is a man who has the same concern, the same interest as Paul. And not only that, he knows when Timothy gets there, Timothy will do the things that he has seen Paul doing the exact same way Paul has done it. But notice what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. He's saying, beloved church at Corinth, I'm sending Timothy to remind you of the ways that I taught you when I was there. So Paul taught the same way no matter whether he was teaching the church at Philippi, teaching the church at Thessalonica, or teaching the church at Corinth. His ministry was the same. He had the same affections for them, the same attitude towards them, the same activities going on towards them. We know in 1 Corinthians 15 he delivered the gospel to this church at Corinth. But there was a difference. There was a difference in the relationship between Paul and the church at Corinth. And it's not that the church at Corinth didn't have a heart and some affections for Paul. Because they did. In fact, Paul... Uh, made notice of that over in Second Corinthians in chapter 7 when he says in verse 4 for great is my confidence in you great is my boasting on your behalf I am filled with comfort I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction for even when we came into Macedonia our flesh had no rest but we were afflicted on every side conflicts without fears within but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. And he reported to us, your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoiced even more. So there was a sense in which the church, some there in the church at Corinth were longing for Paul, mourning for Paul, zealous for Paul, just like the church at Philippi, just like the church at Thessalonica. But the difference is that it wasn't In the church at Philippi and Thessalonica, it was pretty much the whole church. But the church at Corinth, it wasn't. There were some that weren't really looking forward to Paul coming again. They didn't desire Paul really to show back up at the church at Corinth. You see, as Paul had ministered the gospel to them in person... And as Paul had ministered the gospel, the gospel to them through his letters that he wrote, he was helping to shepherd this church and speak the truth to this church. And as we see there from what he says in 2 Corinthians 7, there were some that were longing and mourning and a zeal for Paul. But if you notice what Paul is saying there in Chapter 7, verse 2, he says, make room for us in your hearts. Some of you need to make room for us in your hearts. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. Or as he says over in chapter 6, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where he says there in verse 11, as I read a moment ago, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. He's saying what? Some of you need to open wide your heart to us. We've opened wide our heart to you. You need to return that, That return that love. Open your heart to us as we're here to shepherd you and speak the word of God to you. We're not the ones restraining you. There are others that are calling you to restrain in your own affections towards us. You see, they're holding back. There was a restraint on their part. And Paul as he had ministered the gospel to them and the word of God to them and some things he could he praised them as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 just listen very carefully to this he says now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you And by traditions there, he doesn't mean man-made traditions. He means the the Scriptures and the Word of God. That is, what he taught at every church, he taught there at Corinth. And he says, in some regard, I praise you because you remember me and everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I deliver them to you. Then in verse 3, he says, But there are some things that you need to understand a little more. In fact, he goes on to say in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17, he says, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. He said, I, I can't praise you about this. Because you are not, you haven't really received and you're not living what it is that you have been taught to do. You see, some of what Paul ministered to them, and he taught them, and he preached to them, they received well, and they held firmly to it. But some of it they didn't. And this is why, whenever you even think about Paul, what he had to say about this church, in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ." I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not yet able, for you're still fleshly. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? See, the difference between the church at Thessalonica and Philippi in comparison to the church at Corinth is that the churches of Thessalonica and Philippi received the word of God and they were taking it into their life and they were more faithfully applying it to their life. When Paul was there with the church at Corinth, he couldn't get to some of the things he got to with the church at Thessalonica, even though he spent more time with the church at Corinth than he did at Thessalonica. Paul didn't spend that many weeks with the church at Thessalonica, but he got to teach and go through more things with them than he did the church at Corinth that he spent a year and a half with, and that's because they were not receiving the teaching. Paul was trying to encourage them about that. So we see here their receiving of the word was not the same. Not only that, they're supporting of Paul. And the financial support for Paul was not the same. They had a different attitude than the church at Thessalonica and definitely the church at Philippi. Look over with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says to them, Am I not free? Verse 1, Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And again, let me just say this to you right there. If someone claims to be an apostle of the Lord today, you just need to ask them, have they actually physically seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if they haven't, they're not an apostle. He says, are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? And let me just say there, just as a side note to you, when you think about within the Catholicism, the Roman Catholic Church, and they're not allowing of their priests to get married, here it is, you see, Peter clearly had a wife. We'll come back to that another time. Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake. Yes, for our sake it was written. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to the thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? You see, what had happened in the church at Corinth is there were some there that were actually using and twisting and perverting the actions of Paul. If you recall, when Paul came to the church at Corinth, he chose not to receive any kind of financial support from them. And the church at Philippi actually helped him to do that. And the reason he did it is because he just wanted to come there and offer the gospel to them. He he just wanted to, he said, I have the right to be supported by you, but I didn't use this right. But what some in the church had done, because they didn't like Paul and they didn't like some of the things Paul had taught and some of the stances that Paul had taken that challenged them in their sin, what they did was they decided to use that and to twist that and to use it against Paul. When he goes on to say in verse 12, if others share the right over you, do we not more?" Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temples, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. See, Paul's trying to help the church at Corinth to understand some things that the church at Thessalonica and Philippi got very quickly even in regards to their supporting financially there of those that were ministering the gospel to them. So we see there's a difference there in their attitude. There's a difference there in their affections. There's a difference there in their attitude. There's a difference there that what we're seeing here in their actions and their activities. Let me show you something else just to kind of help you with this. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I won't get to go to all of this to help you see these things, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now you've, we've seen the church at Thessalonica and the church at Philippi, Paul longing to come see them saying, I hope to come see you. In fact, remember the church at Thessalonica, he said, I long to come see you, I've been trying to come see you, but Satan has hindered me. And they received that, and they welcomed that, and they understood that. But again, the church here at Corinth, there were some there in the church that twisted that against Paul and used it against him. That Paul had intended on coming to them, had been unable to do it, and they Twisted that and say, You see, Paul's not a man of his word. He doesn't keep his promises, he doesn't keep his word. That's why he says there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15, In this confidence I intended at first to come to you, so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is, to pass your way into Macedonia and again from Macedonia to come to you, and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to to do this, was I? And the answer to that question is no. Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh so that with me there will be yes, yes and no, no at the same time? But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no see, he's saying, look, I've tried to come to you. I've wanted to come to you. I may have sent word to you, I'm trying to come to you, but I just haven't been able to do it, and God is my witness. But again, there were some that were just twisting these things. The very same things that were going on in the church at Thessalonica, going on at the church at Philippi, the receiving of the word of God, uh, the financial supporting, uh, the, the, the desire to come to them and being unable to do it, they received it rightly. The church at Corinth didn't. Let me just move to this just for time's sake. That when we look at the church at Corinth, that they were not, one of the major differences between them and the church at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica is that there were some there in the church at Corinth that just weren't excited about Paul coming again. And the reason is, is because Paul had already expressed to them in really four letters. We have two of them here, First and Second Corinthians, but he wrote two others to this church. And in those, he keeps expressing his concern for them. And he expresses some issues that are going on there. And just to remind you of this, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And you'll notice another difference between these churches, between the church at Philippi and Thessalonica and the church at Corinth. Where He says there in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 4, Now some have become arrogant as though I will not coming to you but I will come to you soon and notice he says if the Lord wills and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant but their power for the kingdom of God does not consist in words but in power and he noticed the question he asked them what do you desire you see Paul puts the the ball in the court of the congregation And he says, what is it you desire when I get there? When I get there to be your shepherd and to pastor you, what is it you desire? And he follows that up with the next question. Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? And he says, I'm putting it in your court. I am coming. And when I get there... Here's what I desire. I desire to come there in a spirit of gentleness and love with you. But what is it, he says, you desire? Do you desire that as well? And the answer is this. If they did desire that, then they would be wanting to repent of their sins and do what it is he's already pointed out to them. And let me just show you that. Uh, go with me uh, for just a moment. go now back over to Second Corinthians. We've looked at this passage before, but in Second Corinthians. and go to chapter 11. Well, go to chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 12. Chapter 12, Paul says in verse 20, he says, For I'm afraid that perhaps when I come I may find you to be not what I wish and may be found by you not to be what you wish, that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances, I am afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and I may mourn over many of those, and notice what he says, who have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, the immorality, the sensuality which they have practiced. This is the third time I'm coming to you, and every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And understand, that is a reference back in the Old Testament, but it's also a reference, you can think about it, in the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew 18, where Jesus says there, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault. And if he doesn't listen to you, when you go and show him his fault, take two or three witnesses with you to go into confirmance. And he says there, if you get two or three witnesses and they go and they confront this brother who's in sin and this brother still doesn't want to repent, he says, tell it to the church and have the church go after him to pursue him for repentance. This is what Paul is saying, the third time I'm coming to you and when I come to you every fact is going to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have previously said when present the second time and though now absent, I say in advance to those who have sinned in the past and to all the rest as well, that if I come, I will not spare anyone. That's why they didn't want Paul to come. It wasn't the whole church, because we saw there was that group there he mentions in 2 Corinthians 7, they're mourning for Paul, they're zealous for Paul, they're longing for Paul. Paul, show up, come back, shepherd us, help us to grow in these things. We need these things. And there were some saying, We'd rather Paul not show back up because we've been confronted time and again about our sin and we haven't repented. And if Paul comes back, he's promised he's going to address this. He's going to deal with this. And what am I saying to you? I'm trying to help you to see that the difference between the church at Philippi and Thessalonica and the church at Corinth really wasn't Paul. Paul ministered the same way, with the same affections, the same attitude, the same activities. And the churches there at Philippi and Thessalonica just warmly welcomed Paul and were longing and looking for Paul to come back. The church at Corinth struggled. It's because their affections and their attitude and their activities are different. Now here's what I would just have you say, understand from this. It's beloved that the ministers of the gospel and the people they minister to must have a heart for one another. They had to have a heart for one another. They had to have that same attitude and concern for one another. And it goes both ways. The, the, the ministers, the pastors, the shepherds to the people must have that open heart. I mean, as pastors, it can be a struggle at times to want to do that. Because, look, we're, we're, we're people of the flesh. And we know, as Paul says there, when you open wide your heart, there is the possibility of rejection. There is the possibility of hurt. And so, look, men of God are just the same as the, all people of God. The man of God can have that same fear, that same reservation, that same restraint that Paul was talking about the church at Corinth, where they were restraining from opening up their heart wide to him. We as pastors can have that same restraint, that same struggle wanting to protect ourselves, knowing if if we open ourselves up. I mean, look at Paul. He poured his life into these people. And some of them are twisting things he was doing. Oh, look at Jesus. You ever thought about that? I mean, Jesus goes back to his hometown, to his hometown synagogue where Jesus grew up, going to the synagogue on a regular basis, and he goes back and just preaches the word of God to them. And you remember their response? They wanted to throw him off a cliff. He goes into certain towns and he preaches the gospel to them and they're just begging him to stay. Jesus, don't leave. Don't leave, Jesus. Please stay. He says, no, I've got to travel to other cities and preach this same gospel to them. He goes into another city, preaches the same message, the same gospel to them and he's not there very long and they are trying to run him out of town. Same affection, same attitude, same activities. So it starts with the people, the shepherds, having an open heart, a heart that is open wide to one another. And what we see is that this is demonstrated from the shepherds to the sheep by the shepherds giving of their heart to the people, of faithfully willing to sacrifice and lay their life down for the people, of faithfully teaching them from the word of God, which includes at times encouraging them, strengthening them, lifting them up, But it also includes, as we've seen with the Apostle Paul at other times, where they have to bring godly sorrow to their hearts. They have to bring warnings and admonishment. They have to point out sin. They have to call them to repentance. But on the side of the sheep, the sheep have to open their heart to their shepherds. Give their heart to them. Be willing to receive the instructions from the word of God from them. Support them. Stand with them faithfully. Support them. Even when things are hard. Essentially, when you go back and you look at the life of Paul over in First Timothy. Paul there makes mention that when he came back into Asia he said everyone turned away from me. This is is the place where he's ministered the word of God faithfully. He says everyone just turned away from me. And then he says over in uh, 2 Timothy that when he had to come and give a defense he said no one And let that sink in. Here's a man that has devoted his life to people. Maybe you read through the epistles. He's devoted his life to people, shepherding people, loving people, teaching people, serving people, doing all that. And when it came time for someone to stand with Paul, when he had to give a defense, he says, no one stood with me. They all deserted me. Except the Lord. He said, the Lord stood with me. And what I'm saying is that this is that commitment, this affection, this attitude between the ministers and the shepherds and the sheep, the opening of their heart, the serving and their giving to one another. That's where my heart was moved. And even for the Lord to address my own heart, I don't know how the Lord is going to address your heart from this message but I know he's addressing my heart because I've, hopefully you see this message is just as much for me as a pastor as it is for you the people of God the Lord has placed me to shepherd you that we have that heart that affection that attitude for one another in the body of Christ I pray we will be like the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, not like the church at Corinth. Be a church that has an open heart and affection for each other in the body of Christ. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.